0: Well, life on the farm is kinda laid back. Ain't much an old country boy like me can hack. It's early to rise, early in the sack. Thank God I'm a country boy. Will a simple kind of life never did me no harm. Of raising me a family and working on the farm. My days are all filled with an easy country charm. Thank God I'm a country boy. Willa got me a fine wife, I got me old fiddle When the sun's coming up, I got cakes on the griddle And life ain't nothing but a funny, funny riddle Thank God I'm a country boy
1: All right, welcome back to another episode of the Float Universe universe podcast. I hope you're out there doing fan-friggin-tastic. It's been an interesting two months for me. I'll talk about that another time. I know you're here for Parker and uh, the Float podcast we did together. It was a really good tell-all. We spilled a lot of beans. If you're interested in floating, if you're interested in owning a float center, this is the podcast for you. We both have experience, boots on the ground, especially even during the pandemic. You know, we were both caught up in management and ownership of these float centers during the pandemic, which really affected our outcomes ultimately and, and left a, a certain taste in our mouth. You'll have to listen to figure out what that taste was, but I, I, I'm just so glad you're here. By the way, thanks for being here. There's so many podcasts you can listen to Thanks for listening to this one I myself have fallen behind I'm in Wisconsin now I'm setting up new things I will talk about it all There's so much I want to talk about now I I didn't didn't really have anything to say For a few months And uh, I had some hard times But we're through that now Things are looking good Sober again I recorded these podcasts actually About four or five months ago When I was sober for a couple weeks And I was really kicking ass and taking names So that should be back. All the new stuff is always going to be on YouTube first. That's what I've decided to do. So if you're really interested in this content, there's no Patreon or anything right now. You can go to YouTube though, and you know you can listen to the podcast in the background. Sometimes I'll put videos with interviews. This one we didn't do uh, with, with with the cameras, so it's just graphics uh, playing on the screen. But you should go to YouTube and please follow. I'm trying to build that YouTube audience. I'm trying to create more audio content, not just memes. Maybe I should just stick to the memes. I don't know. But you need to go to YouTube if you're interested in this stuff. Float Universe, just type it in. Follow me there. That's ground zero right now for all the good stuff. By the way, the 9-11 content you crave is out there. There will be a companion piece to that because it is very dense and it does explain a lot of things. And a lot of things you probably didn't know about 9-11 are included in there. So stay tuned for that. I've got lots to talk about. I've got a lot more interviews to come. I hope you enjoy this one with um, Parker. It was, like I said, a great tell-all. If you're into floating, if you want to know what running a float center is like, this is the podcast for you. That being said, you are blind. And there is definitely somewhere in here a
0: threshold. threshold. <laughs> Libera me, which decodes to mean ex- ex- extricate me, programmer. We might dream of people in places we had never seen as vividly as if we had seen them and actually known them. We are living in a computer-programmed reality, and the only clue we have to it is when some variable is changed and some alteration in our reality occurs. All
1: right, all right. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Floating Universe podcast. There's
0: an impression of transition,
1: and then you're propelled into the next space. Now, now if you don't mind, can we get on with your questions? Well, sir, I'm not sure I understand the distinction between reflexive and voluntary nerve impulses very good since our lab work today is a
0: demonstration of just that distinction why don't we proceed
1: all right welcome back to another episode of the float universe podcast i'm so glad you're here uh tonight we've got a great guest i'm excited to to hear what his story is i've been in the float business uh quite a bit he's been in longer than me i think i'll be i think we've been floating around the same time but uh He's been in the actual business much longer than I have. He's apparently ran his own float center, and now I mean, we're gonna find out what's happening, but I think he's leaving it so i've I've known him a little bit online uh, through his float uh, center five b flotation, and I, I followed his journey a little bit as much as I could and um and apparently he's been a fan, so that's awesome. But I saw he was uh, apparently shutting down, and I wanted to talk to him about owning a float center, all the things that he's had to go through the, the shutdown and everything else. So welcome to the float universe, Parker Morris.
0: Thanks for having me. It's pretty cool to be on this platform. I've been a big fan of all your content for a while. So it was cool to have you reach out. So, well, thank you. To-
1: you know, I, I feel like I haven't done enough float talk since I've moved out of the float law uh, center and, I feel like I owe it. I mean, just the title and 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 how much floating's done for me to keep talking about it. So I still want to keep that narrative going. And yours is like perfect for where I'm at, which is, you know, I want to I want to talk to somebody who's been in the game, and seeing all the ups and downs and and all the things that can go wrong and all the upsides to to owning a float yeah, center. So tell sure. so tell us a little bit about how you got into floating initially. Like, what what was your first float like? How did this journey start?
0: Yeah, definitely. So I kind of like got into floating pretty early on. I think I had a similar introduction as a lot of people where I'd like heard about it on the Joe Rogan podcast and like heard people talk about it for health benefits and stuff like that. But it was also like I was kind of interested in it for like the psychedelic aspect, because that's what drew me to listen to Joe Rogan when I was like 17, 18 years old. So I first, first heard about it and it sounded like when I first heard about it, I thought it was like totally fringe. Like I didn't think there was even such thing as a commercial float center. I thought that like you had to find some kind of like psychedelic guru that had built one of these things in his basement. And so it was like this really kind of like fantasy idea for me. And then when I moved to college in San Diego, I found I had basically heard through the grapevine from someone talking about how they'd gone and paid to float at some guy's house in Pacific Beach. And I was like blown away that you could just pay and go do a float tank like that because I wasn't really sure what all the details were surrounding it. I just knew it was some kind of sensory deprivation and I figured it was like a big piece of equipment that was probably difficult to get your hands on and stuff like that but basically I went and checked out this float spa and went and had my first float and it really got me just a hundred percent committed into floating because of how special my first experience was and then also how special the first place I ever floated at was it was it really left like a impact on me I'd say
1: Oh yeah. I can totally, my story's the same. Obviously I floated for the first time. It really changed a lot for me. It felt so good. It was awesome. It was so unique. It was just so many things that I needed and wanted. And I'm like, sign me up for yeah. the membership. I don't care what it costs. This is more important than anything right now. And I could see the potential and just not only the healing, but potentially, yeah, like navigating psychedelic highways on other frequencies, potentially, or out of body experiences, or if you're familiar with the John Lilly literature, stuff like that, you know. So, yeah, I'm exactly. uh, for, for those same reasons, and Joe Rogan too, and Hamilton Morris. Now, you're you're not related to Hamilton Morris, are you? No, I'm oh not. okay, but, but, yeah, he was one of the ones that got me into it too because I'm like, oh, look at this skinny guy. I'm like, he's as skinny as I am, I'm like, he he's not afraid to go beyond vice and and get naked in a in a float tank, so
0: yeah, exactly, that, that was, was actually one of the first things I remember that vice documentary too, and watching that, and that was one of the first pieces of content I'd ever seen of float tanks, too,
1: yes, that was the first for me I, you know, you hear Joe talk about on the podcast if you listen to that and for the people that would float at the float center, I would float at, that would be the majority of them too at the time. Um, now what year did you float for the first time?
0: So I think it was around 2013.
1: Okay. Yeah. You, you, I floated for the first time in February of 2014 gotcha. and I was at the end of, a uh, you know, just losing everything and physically unwell and mentally unwell and everything crashing down. And this was, um, my beginning to a new, my new beginning so that's awesome. um so 2013 you're in the game you're, you're you're floating yeah it's somebody's basically house right is that what that was
0: yeah so that's what was really special about it. it was this guy named elliot fox and i've actually like had a few people in the float world kind of reach out to me and say like i know who elliot fox is and i floated with him once before but he was this like really special guy. He was like an older guy. I feel like he was in his like late 60s, maybe early 70s. And he was all white hair and just like the calmest demeanor and like a total guru. And he had like kind of this really funny little guest room in his apartment that the float tank was in and everything was like very unprofessional, but it was still like cozy and homey. And his demeanor and the way he conducted his floats just made me get I think it like I've never been able I feel like I've never been able to do as good of a job as he did with me on my first floats because he would kind of like really subtly kind of ask me why I was floating without feeling like he was getting into my business or anything like that and then he would give me some really subtle advice kind of depending on what I was trying to accomplish with my float and then he would usually like take payment beforehand and then let me just hang out in the float room afterward. And a lot of times if there wasn't a float after me, he would let me float longer and stuff like that. And it just was like this total Zen environment. And he just became this like character that was like a sage in my life. And I just always felt like I could like, give him updates on whatever was going on in my life. And he was never nosing into my business, but he always just had like a real short, wise snippet of advice. And then he would leave me to my float. And I think having him be the person that introduced me into floating was huge because it just made me put so much like weight and value into my time there. And I would it really helped me like get into that mood where I think I got a lot more out of my first floats than maybe you would. And more of like a sanitary business environment where the host isn't really engaging with you as much.
1: Yeah, that's um, almost exactly how my experience was with the float center I was at. I'm not going to say the name because I lived and worked there you know, thought I owned it for a while, but uh, you know, it's a whole story there. We, We might get into a little bit of that, but. It was a basically the same kind of thing. It was a, a a place that was super cozy. It wasn't some nice. I mean, basically, it was in a in a, a shed. You know, like a like yeah. a metal like a metal shed building. And yeah. uh, but it was super cozy. And and again, I I realized this when I got into the shoes and the in the saddle of running a float center, which is that experience of walking through the door. Whoever greets you, the 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 energy in the air, the welcomeness or not, the the cleanliness, that was more important. Like the the psychological aspect of setting someone up for the experience was What was was how I got a lot out of it and what I realized, um, you know, what floating, you know, because the thing is, you don't know what it is, and you float, and you don't realize you're potentially going to have this opening where emotionally or some kind of next level understanding about yourself or the nature of reality, even, and you're coming out and you're having or these people are coming out and you have to deal with them unloading on you emotionally or just having their mind blown or never relaxed so deeply in their life without any kind of drug. So it's definitely, I would say the most important factor outside of having a good quality, you know, your float tank set up right is having the person run it is I think almost more important than the actual float itself because the psychological a- aspect of floating is a huge part of it and if that person isn't setting you up to get in it and and, and then when they, you come out i think uh it's a bad potentially a bad re- uh disaster waiting to happen with people who are unconscious yeah. running a float center
0: exactly i totally agree
1: so you float this first time it it, it blew your mind what's the next thing Do you just keep coming back to this guy
0: Yeah. So I kept going back. One of the biggest things that it kind of blew my mind with was like, I just moved to college and I was kind of like sucked into this college kid lifestyle where I was like getting by on ramen noodles and living as cheap as I could and stuff like that. And the first thing that happened when I floated was I came out and I just had this like incredible newfound respect for my body. And I like immediately went home and threw away like basically donated a bunch of like crap food that i had at my house and started like eating healthier and taking care of myself and i had this new like fascination for taking care of my body and i think it was because the f- like being in the float tank and seeing how good my body felt like i'd just had a tune up when i came out just made me have this epiphany where i was like if like my body is the most important possession i've got and it's in my best interest to take good care of it and i need to start putting the best fuel into it and all the best resources into it as possible. And I just like had this newfound respect for my body. And that's a big part of what drew me kind of into the whole culture of it. I started kind of exercising more and eating healthier and floating more. And my whole life just got better on all aspects. And I had more energy and was in better shape and felt better. So I was trying to float pretty consistently. I would float like I was signed up on a program and would buy a little like I think it was five floats at a time or something from him. And I would always ask for floats for like my birthday or anything like that from friends and family. And then I ended up having a roommate and kind of got him into floating and he had some money to play with, with like family money and stuff. So we came up with an agreement that he would buy a float tank for our garage if I would put it all together and kind of do all the maintenance on it. So then we, Pulled the trigger on that and bought a kit, and I got to basically figure out how to like put this thing together and make it work. What What did you buy? So we bought an escape pod float tank.
1: Is that like the Earth?
0: Yeah, exactly. It was like the earlier version of. I thought you had an Earth, and I was like, I was,
1: I was looking at your thing. I'm like, this guy had an Earth at one point. I'm like, I'm going crazy. I'm like, no, he doesn't have one though. I'm like, no, I I go. I always associated that Earth float tank with Five B. I know other float centers had them, but yeah. you're, the, you're the one I'm like, I know one, at least one place that has it.
0: Yeah. We had the escape pod for a long time. Then we ended up upgrading a handful of years later after I'd moved locations a couple times and stuff. But yeah, the escape pod was great. It was, it was one of the only tanks on the market that you could buy and put together yourself. So it was a lot more affordable for us and we got it and put it together and we were just running like college kids, in and out of the house doing it and kind of advertising it to them as a hangover cure but they would all end up you know discovering that it's way more than that after they'd float usually and it was fun we had a little backyard shower so you would like we turned our garage into this little zen den put like carpet down on the concrete and like some cheap home depot carpet and then yeah just turned it into this little dark zen den and then you'd step out of the garage to like a backyard shower and it was a pretty pretty fun little setup
1: that sounds amazing that's a, that's another thing like i think most people get into the industry because they want to own a float tank but they don't they can't or they don't want to put it in their house for for obvious reasons and for people that don't know by the way i don't know about your experience with floating but it's nothing but salt and humidity and water oh, yeah. and slipperiness all the time everywhere
0: What's um the mess? <laughs>
1: it's a messy thing to have and it's constantly on you never can really turn it off because yep. the salt will uh, crystallize the water will get cold and you'll have a, a clogged pipes and a, and, a, and a very hard I mean if you let it sit there for a while too it can get really hard like I've had some okay. of that salt be like diamonds I'm like damn this I can't even break this thing
0: yeah I can like cut you it seems like. oh yeah I can
1: really cut you bad that I've been off. fucked up a bad on some uh you know because w- w- my, my story was we took over a float center that was trashed the guys go. just let it go and, you know, like just everything was trash. So my, well, the first year of my journey was like rebuilding, like I didn't do a lot of the rebuilding, but I was o- overseeing things and, um, really having to put my fingers in a lot of like holes in the dam, right. You know, people would come in and things weren't quite right. I'd have to hide it or, you know, kind of, you know, like a magician, uh, sleight of hand, divert it the other way. Don't look, yeah. don't look in that corner over there. Um, yeah. so it was an, it was super annoying, but yeah. So people, uh, my thought is I want to have a float center. I want to, or I want a float tank. I want access to a float tank 24 seven, but they're a pain in the ass yeah. you, you can't really yeah. put them in your house and, um, they cost money. You know, you're always putting in salt. That's another thing like salts, not a fixed uh, expense. Salt's always changing price and, yeah. you know, depending on your busyness, you're, you're, you're just going through the salt. So there's a lot of things potentially that can go wrong. And and the thing is, the water has to be just right. And the salt, the buoyancy, all these things, all these variables have to be just right. So it's a constant maintenance. So I'm imagining you're having the same theory that I have, which is, you know, we might as well make a business out of it since we've invested this much. I mean, what's your story with the, okay, so you're in the garage, you've got this cool setup.
0: Yeah, that's basically how we started. And then I think we initially got into it just thinking like this is just a way we can float all the time and kind of get some money out of it to recoup our cost of getting the float tank and stuff like that.
1: Were you charging friends?
0: Yeah, we were charging like 20 bucks for a float or something like that. So it wasn't a lot, but yeah, we were trying to just make back a little bit so that we could – kind of pay to keep maintaining it and keep it up and running and stuff like that and I kind of like I was in college at that time doing business classes and I like basically started it made my classes a lot more beneficial because everything I was like hypothetically talking about in class suddenly I just started turning it into float tanks in my brain while I was learning it all so I was like learning some business classes like using float tanks as my example in my head. And then the more I thought about it and the more time went by, the more I was like, I think this is like what I want to do. And it was kind of like, I felt like I was really attracted to the type of people that were into floating at that mm-hmm. point in time too. So I was like, this is going to be like really fun, happy job. Cause I just get to hang out with cool people and I'll end up being friends with half of the customers and stuff like that. So I started kind of gearing it towards wanting it to be a business. And then I made the decision basically that I wasn't. So I was going to college in San Diego. I'm originally from a small town in Idaho. So it was really hard for me to wrap my head around trying to start a business in San Diego, just because I was like broke college kid and I didn't have any family down there, anybody to help me out. I didn't know as many people and getting your foot in the door and like opening a business in San Diego in a big city in California is just a much bigger hurdle than doing it in a small town in Idaho. So, and the other thing was I had this idea of like, I wanted to bring floating, like I discovered it in San Diego at college and I wanted to bring it home because I'm from like a ski resort and there's a lot of little like athletes and ski mountains and outdoor activities. And it was kind of a cool concept in my mind to like create like this mountain town float spa, which was like a new idea at that point. I feel like.
1: What what was the closest? Let's see. You were in um, Ketchum. Is that what you say yeah. Idaho yeah. now? What was the closest float center?
0: So there is a float center about two and a half hours away in Boise, which is called Stillwater. Mm-hmm. And they opened up, kind of like right when I was getting into floating, they were a little bit ahead of me. So they opened up kind of while I was doing floats in my garage in San Diego.
1: Nice. So you move yeah. back to, so, so you move back to Idaho. You, I guess you start going through the process. Do you bring this, you're going to use the tank that you're using in the garage. You're going to take that back to uh, Idaho. Is that what happened?
0: Yep, exactly. I was able to make out a deal with my buddy to where I ended up taking it back to Idaho and he stayed in uh, San Diego to keep going to college basically. So I decided I would had enough school and I was ready to go start the business. So I moved it to Idaho and then things kind of just slowly fell into place. Like I didn't have a lot of money or anything. So I was looking around at spaces and just trying to figure out how I was going to do a shower and kind of find what I needed and, afford the construction for what I needed and I ended up finding this space that was like just perfect for a single tank little float spa startup because it was like a little small building that had a few other businesses in it but it had a shower in the room and it was a vacant spot and it was like a perfect size room for a single float tank with the shower already in there and then it had like, concrete flooring with linoleum on top of it so it was like perfect flooring to put yeah. a float tank down on and things like that so it kind of just fell into place and I actually went to the building looking at a different space that was open and when the landlord was asking me what it was I was trying to do and I explained it to her she was like oh well I have a space that has a shower in it and no one wants it because of that shower that's in there and it worked out perfectly so she wasn't even advertising the space and I ended up getting it
1: that's beautiful because you know I don't know what you believe spiritually but hopefully you felt that that was a sign right you know that you know you're yeah. ordained to do this it's a good opening and here we go now exactly i mean cuz that's a, that's really i think there's a few pain in the ass things about building aka buying aka and running and then whatever a float center and I think one of the most pain in the ass things is, you know, you got to find a place that's quiet. You've got to find a place that, if, Oh, I got to build a shower now. You know, you, you, a wow. lot of the, a lot of these builds are impressive, but it's a lot of money uh, sunken into these facilities where you've got sh- nice showers and you've got built in like open air tanks. Like these are whoever, you know, if you ever, if if, if you ever sell your business, it's not going to be easy to sell that property or they're going to break all that shit down.
0: Yep. So,
1: you know, getting, in a place that's already built out, like that's beautiful. Not having to uh, install a shower and the flooring. So yeah, good for you.
0: Well. Definitely, I definitely felt like it was a sign, and the rent was like incredibly cheap. Like I think my rent when I first started out was like three hundred and fifty dollars a month.
1: Mm, nice. So that's,
0: like, all those combinations of things, because I had like maybe a couple thousand bucks in my savings to try and start this business basically. So I was just trying to get it going as cheap as possible and get it started. And it all just worked out because I was trying to weigh the options where it's like, you know, I don't want to create bad floats, but I also know there's a way to create good floats on a budget. And I was trying to just weigh my options and luckily it worked out just perfectly. And we were able to basically start up some floats and get people in there and yeah it was just a long journey there are so many different phases of it looking back on it but yeah we got it going started advertising it i did like your first float is free for my first like month or two to kind of just get people in the door because yeah give a free yeah, sample yeah, it's always a weird thing your first day of opening a new business when you're just sitting there and you don't really know where to even start so I just started giving free floats out to people and that became like, kind of the buzz around town it was like you can go to this new float spa whatever it is they give you a free try so I got a lot of people kind of into it and interested with that free try. And then I had a lot of fun kind of reaching out. Like I grew up playing hockey. So I reached out to the hockey team and tried to get some hockey players in there and was able to get some local players and like reaching out to local snowboarders or skiers in our community and getting them to come try it out. And it was pretty fun getting, you know, doing the advertising side of it, but making it fun and interacting with the community.
1: That's why I always love being, in the float world it's i I like floating it's awesome it's fun it's beneficial it's like cool looking it's exotic it's you know potential psychedelic and god and Mm -hmm. spiritual there's so many pluses to doing it but one thing i do know i mean it's a hard sell i mean one one guy told me he's like bro meditation is free i go i know but you're laying in a thousand pounds of epsom salt
0: yeah. That's a hard sell.
1: So l- before we get going with the rest of the story, did you have any issues with the initial setup? Because I know a lot of these. Another one of the pain in the ass things is the the board of uh, whatever the the health board or whoever regulates the pools or the gyms or in Florida, I'll use Florida as an example. The float tank industry is regulated. It's thrown in there with the pools, right? The yeah. swimming pools, and that's annoying because it's nothing like a swimming pool, and you have to have, you have to meet all these. Regulations and standards that are for p- swimming pools with chlorine, and they're giant, they're giant yeah. pools, you know. So, it's not so they're still working on it in Florida. And I know a lot of places, a lot of states, cities, um, they'll either be sign off on it, no problem, and they don't care, or it's that they, they fight you on it and they want to make sure because they don't know what they're dealing with, you know, they've never experienced
0: yeah. exactly. That's, so, what, what was that's your another... process like? Yeah, that's a category I really lucked out on that I think was part of the side effects of coming to a small town in Idaho is there is just nothing. I think I I called the health department and told them what I was doing. And I remember they were basically like, so it's not a swimming pool or a hot tub. And I was like, nope, it's not. It's different. And they were like, well, then you're self-regulated. And I think that was pretty much the end of it.
1: I'm moving to Idaho, man. I I almost wish, honestly, (laughs) I almost wish you didn't. Well, we'll get to that. Because uh, I don't want to spoil the end of the story just yet, but um, I've always kind of wanted to do what you're kind of doing now because I kind of looked into your life um, Uh with the homesteading it looks like and you've got got another company. By the way, what does the 5B stand for?
0: So it's kind of like an Idaho thing because we have a system here where all of our counties are categorized on your license plate by a little code. So 5B represents the county in Idaho that I live in. So when you're driving around Idaho, you can look at people's license plates and kind of know like what part of Idaho they're from. So it's kind of like a local way to represent yourself. So I've named all my businesses leading with 5B, and it's kind of like represents our Blaine County area that we're in.
1: Oh, okay. So I, I, I was trying to figure that out. I'm like, well, I guess I'll just have to ask because... You really didn't. uh, I guess it's an inside joke for, like you said, the locals.
0: Yeah. if you, I've had that question. Anyone who's not from Idaho, basically, it makes sense. You wouldn't know. I've always wondered that that
1: since I I came across. And I also noticed you have another company. It's called 5B Foods. Yep. Which was a uh, a bar or organic, delicious, homemade goods.
0: Yep, Exactly.
1: So you're living the life I want to get to. I'm still working through my stuff, but uh, you got the float center. You're doing the the stuff there. So let's get back to the floating. Um. So you're what? This is like 2015.
0: Yeah, I think I opened up. So it's like I floated my first time in 2013. I think I opened up right around 2015. Yeah.
1: And is it? It's just one tank the whole time, or did you ever expand bigger than that?
0: So I had that escape pod tank in that space for about two years and just, I'm sure you've probably run into this and anyone that's done floats is like one of the hardest selling points I've found with the float tank, especially if you have like an escape pod or a Samadhi style tank is getting people into the tank without a fear of claustrophobia. And that seemed to be the biggest thing that I was running into is people were just a little nervous about the fact that the tank, looked like a coffin or whatever. And so I ended up designing my own tank and I floated in a bunch of different tanks because whenever I would travel or go on a vacation or anything, I'd always try to get a float in somewhere different and try out different tanks. And I came up with an idea of developing kind of more of an open style tank and kind of took some different aspects of different tanks that I liked. And so I ended up selling my escape pod tank to another float center in Oregon that was starting up. And I used the money and some money that I had saved up and was able to build a new tank that was big enough for two people to float in at once. So it was somewhat of an open tank because it had a high ceiling. It was like eight feet tall, eight feet long. And then it was like six feet wide. And it had a glass sliding shower door to enter in and out. So that kind of aids with the claustrophobic aspect. And it also allowed people to float with their partner if they were nervous for their first float, which I personally think takes away from the float a little bit. It does.
1: I've done it before. It does. I agree.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I figured if it's so odd, I would tell people is like, if you're nervous. I'd recommend maybe going in there with your partner, but then after you've done it once with your partner, try it by yourself and then you'll see how much better it gets, but it's a good way to kind of get someone's foot in the door. And then I was able, I switched my room to like a really, it's like high tech for me, kind of like motion sensored light system so that we could have the sliding glass door and they can kind of see out of the tank while they're getting situated in the tank And then after they're still in the tank for a few minutes, the motion sensor will turn all the lights in the whole room off. And then if they want them on at any point, they just need to stand up from the water in the tank and the lights can turn back on. And I found that after I put that float tank in, I had like a much wider clientele that was willing to come and float, it seemed like. It seemed like I probably had one out of every 10 floats, the person would either be like, very nervous about their float and kind of end up getting out early, or they would kind of just bail out of it entirely from looking at the tank every once in a while. So getting the bigger, more open style tanks seemed to help it to where we were able to get more people in. And then I felt like if I could convince them to do the float tank alone and without a partner, I thought that you still got the same quality float in that tank as you did in a smaller tank.
1: I used to tell people um because we had a genesis you know like uh us float tank genesis style tank like the pod with the light really sleek uh-huh. you know and then we had a uh it's a oasis which is a samadhi style tank it kind of yeah. looks similar to the one you one of, one of the ones you had um yeah and that was the that was the box that was the coffin i called that one the coffin now how i would convince yeah. people would i would just like just manipulate manipulate them mentally i'm like look i said i'm a hardcore floater i Nine times out of 10, I'm floating in this one. I go, this one floats yep. deeper, better. And it actually did. I wasn't lying. Um, true. But it was hard as hell to get in and out of. And so that was the thing. Like people who had mobility issues or, of course, that red or blue hair. If if you had red or blue hair, it was almost a d- definitive no from me. Um, yeah. I don't know what kind of liner you had. But I the, the last day at the float center before I got out of there, some woman came in and, and blue lined the tank with her hair.
0: Oh, gosh, that's never fun.
1: Did you have a liner in your tank? How'd that work?
0: Yeah. So the big one that I ended up building, I did a liner up like 14 inches kind of for like the base of it. And then I did like some plastic paneling on the walls from 14 inches up to the top. So yeah, I had, and my liner was like baby blue. So I had to be careful if people had reds especially, but even blues like, yeah, any hair color can show up on that. So
1: yeah, it's uh people like i wish i could just have a private like if i'm ever going to do floating again i'd like to have like almost a private club where it's like hardcore people i'm not trying to float grandma today i'm not trying to to convince somebody who was really not wanting to be here to get in the tank i want people who want to be there And, and for the most part because when i got in my groove i was having people from you know instagram or local like 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 you i'd reach out to Sele- uh, influencers or, you know, in my case, attractive women, that's what I like. But, um, you know, but if you're sports people, I didn't know any sports people. I just knew influencers yeah. and attractive women and stuff like that. I'm like, come on in.
0: Yeah. I, was- I-, I
1: wanted to get that pretty picture of them in front of the float tank so their yeah. other friends could see it. I just wanted yeah. to keep growing it that way. Uh, another thing I did was I never, if somebody had a bad float, I never charged them. Why? Because, you know, once you're set up, it doesn't cost much to float somebody. And I'd much rather give them the float for free than get a bad review because people would leave bad reviews just because floating wasn't what they wanted it to be. You know, I could hit all the points, get it just right, the water, everything. But, oh, this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. So I'm going to give you one star out of five. So I'd rather rather give that person the float for free.
0: Exactly. I think that's a great idea. I would do that a lot too. I would make sure, like, if there is ever they thought the temperature was slightly off or anything. I had like pretty much like a 50% discount that I would immediately slap on Mm -hmm. to like any small complaint. And then if it was anything that I felt like affected the quality of the float throughout the duration, yeah, I'd just give it to them for free or tell them the next one you come back's on us and stuff like that. And yeah, that way they understand that it's like, that that wasn't how it's supposed to be. And when you get it, cause it is a tricky thing because it's something small can screw it up and it's gotta be just right to really get those profound experiences. So I mean, can explain that to them sometimes. Oh
1: yeah. It can be as bad as they take too hot of a shower before they get in. And that that's yeah, so their body exactly. temperature off for the next hour where they're sweating, you know?
0: Yeah. That so. can totally it up or drinking a cup of coffee before your float or so many things
1: <laughs> oh yeah I'm sure like me you had a whole list of uh things you'd go over on the phone because I going back to our first point which which was the boots on the ground like who is there in the float center who's leading these floats who's guiding these people um that's so important and that's that's another part of it there um you know like
0: yeah definitely yeah, yeah so I had a great time and it was like at that point in time like 2015 that was like I feel like Joe Rogan's podcast was really becoming mainstream and like floating was just like, there were new memes with Joe Rogan and new stuff that he was saying about floating every other week. And it just seemed like it was like, I look back at that as kind of like my, my glory days of running my business because there's so much content floating around and coming out. And there's so much interest in floating at that point in time that it just felt, everything felt really electric in the industry. It was kind of a fun time for it sure. was like that was 2015 through like i don't know 2018 ish
1: that's about right yeah I, I would agree that was my um peak of like the novelty of it like wow what is this i've never heard of this before and i had heard of it before even into yeah. my teens like i was just into weird stuff i'm like i want to do that one day um but this is one there was on like three float centers in the whole country um and exactly he- and you were doing it, yeah, in somebody's garage or something because that's just the way it was, you know. It, it, but Joe Rogan, 100%, uh, as much as I have issues with him sometimes, is a huge influence and a huge reason why a lot, I'd say at least 50% of people built float centers because you it was a huge explosion in, the, in oh, like yeah. 10 years. And now it's kind of like tapered off. And we'll talk about this, but the pandemic too, man, I, I saw a lot of casualties there.
0: Yeah, big time, I think. I think the pandemic had its own effects on wiping businesses out, but then it also had its effects on like the social shift that I think has kind of hijacked the movement that was floating and organic food and kind of a lot of that lifestyle stuff, which is like, I guess we can get right into that. It's kind of like where it goes so it's like I had my float spa I got it moved to Idaho I went through these you know three or four years of glory days of just lots of floats and lots of content and lots of kind but of let me ask you this though I, I don't
1: I hate to keep interrupting but all these things keep coming up I want to ask no but worries. um so you're running a successful float business for three or four years now uh, at this point with one tank yeah see, that's a huge point for me, right? I've I've watched these things. I've studied it. I've tried to, you know, I'm sure you're on the Flow Collective. I saw that. So you know, I mean, I would think I learned my lesson with what we were doing. And we had a lot of the money side upside down because the business that was we bought was run poorly. But yeah. even with two tanks, it was hard to make a, a good amount of like profit to be like, is this really worth it? And again, like, we had a whole bunch of other issues of, like, taking over business that was basically, you know, in the gutter. Then then we ran right into the pandemic, and then, you know, all the chaos that ensued from masks and vaccines and shit like that. But, yeah, um, uh, wow, just, you know, who wants to get in the water, right? They've never done it before. They're already claustrophobic and stuff. Who wants to get in the water thinking that somebody's, uh, you know, body fluids are going to get them killed with coronavirus, right? So, yeah. That was, uh, that was brutal. How did you, so yeah, so that was what was important to me was the fact that, wow, this guy kicked ass for seven, eight years with one tank, where a lot of the, a lot of the people I've talked to online, it's like, you got to have at least three tanks. Because here's what would happen to me, because I would always get groups of three or four, sometimes like a whole 10 people would want to come. I'm like, we can't do that. We can't accommodate that. So we were losing business because we only had two tanks. So how did you, how did you survive how'd you thrive? Did you thrive? I don't know. I mean, how did you make it with one tank for that
0: long? So the, probably my biggest advantage was my super low overhead. Like I was saying, it's like my rent was only $350 a month when I'd first started. I think it ended up moving up towards like 500 at the end. It's still but good. The, Yeah. Still very cheap. But, and then I had like, like, I think my utilities are, were fully wrapped into that. And then, I just had really, really low costs to where I was able to keep my one tank pretty full. And then a lot of it too, is I just kind of made it my lifestyle because I was a bachelor at the time. I was living with just like a couple guy roommates and I was just so excited because I'd been working in restaurants and construction my whole life and working these like insane 50 hour weeks since I dropped out of high school. And I'd, Just the idea that I could make really, like, decent money, like, comparatively to working at a restaurant, doing a float was still great money. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that I could make what in my mind was super great money, I was just willing to work all hours. So I think part of my success was just my sole dedication to it because I'd have my appointments open from, like... 8 a.m. to midnight
1: dude dude i gotta stop you there because that's so and that's another super important point which i'm actually pissed about in my current situation okay Uh so i was doing the same thing i was living there for two years living there i don't know how how much you live there um, but i I literally live there and so i would say hey 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. you know or as long as i could go you know sometime I'm, 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 i'm over it today we're shutting down but that was the thing the ability to accommodate Anybody at any time where these float centers that are here in local and in, in Florida is like 10 a.m. Uh, till 5 p.m. Like, dude, I'm at what the what am I supposed yeah, to do?
0: That's hard. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, it's just like for
1: the old people that are retired and shit. I'm like, well, I, I, the working man can't even get in. So yeah. I, 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 so I get that you li- you, I live basically the same lifestyle, which is just total dedication, living that life. I loved it. I love hanging out with the people. I love operating you know, offering somebody the opportunity to shift their awareness or, or vibrate higher or, or just feel good, you know, for yeah. an hour, experience something Absolutely. new. It was, it was awesome to be able to be that person because there's very few things in the world that are actually novel, right? You know, it's that you haven't tried or or, or done or, or even heard about. And to this day, I'm still surprised. I'll talk about floating and, and people are like, what the hell are you talking about? They've never heard yeah. of it. So exactly. you know, that still exists.
0: Definitely. So, yeah. And I think that's kind of what I've preached to people is I don't, I don't I've never with all my businesses I've never gone the route of taking a big loan from a bank and fully setting up you know $50,000 $100,000 build out and then just like setting yourself up the salary and trying to pay everything back I've never gone that route I've always gone like no loans try to piece everything together and do it yourself and get it done cheap and So I think if you're doing things that way, and you're not going alone from the bank, you just have to be willing to dedicate your life to it, which it was like some of the greatest years of my life, like like what you're saying, I loved it. I lived there, I had so much fun. And I would had so much freedom and the flexibility in my schedule where I would just wake up every morning and look at my appointments and plan my day accordingly. And it was a really fun life. And I had a ski pass to our little ski mountain. So I would just kind of be like hey I've got some appointments in the morning I'm going to go do a couple morning floats before people go to work and then I'm going to go ski three or four hours and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to do floats till midnight and then I'm going to go home and do it over again tomorrow and it just I thought it was like absolute freedom because I had money. I just didn't really know what my hours were going to be until a day or two before. And you had to be flexible. But to me, the flexibility was an absolute worthy trade-off for just getting to work for yourself and have that experience. And it's like, I think I was charging $60 for a float. So you know, I had some bills to pay, but really it was pretty good money if I could get five or six or seven floats done in a day at $60 a float, it was pretty decent income for me at that point in
1: time. That's what I was going to ask. I'm like, another thing is, and I notice every float center has been doing this since the pandemic is running tons of promotions. I mean, obviously the tanks are empty um, in a lot of places, but I think the problem is when you start discounting like that, see the problem with the unlimited membership was the, the theory is, you know, you sell it to somebody. And it's like a gym membership. They never come in, right? You're you getting two hundred dollars a month from this person, and they never they don't even use the facility. But yeah. then you get that then you get that one person that comes in every day. And I had about yeah. two or three people that would take up I guaranteed to take up that spot. And so it's this, you know, you got to figure out like okay. I, should I just get that sixty dollars, or should I get them for two fifty and they can float every day? And I may never see them again, or I may see them every day, unfortunately, but not unfortunately because I want them to float. Um, yeah. But it's like, but then though, when that membership guy is in there and the the, the sixty or the ninety dollar float wants to come by, it, the, you know, the tourist that ain't gonna sign up for the membership, um, you know, then I got this guy in the tank. So that was that was, uh, that was like. For like the two-tank setup, that was a frustration, which was I'm like, I can't serve as many people that want to be served uh, at the price I want to serve them at. Um, And so I see this with a lot of float centers, especially post-pandemic, where they're trying new modalities. Let me ask you this. Do you have any other modalities that you offer, like a salt cave or a yoga room or anything like that?
0: So I added a red light device at one point, and it was decently popular but it wasn't like a big money it wasn't bringing in a lot of money or anything like that but it was fun it's kind of more because i was interested in it (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah
1: i've sat in those red light saunas and i've tried to play with the color therapy i've never noticed any difference where i'd want to pay for it
0: yeah, exactly. I did a red light therapy. I actually, I injured my knee really bad a handful of years ago and the red light therapy was helping with like the swelling and inflammation. But then once I overcame my knee injury, like I don't use it very frequently anymore. So it's one of those things that it's like, you kind of have to be, I feel like you have to be in a decent uh, amount of yeah. pain to notice any.
1: Gotcha. Difference. That's what it's for. I didn't even know it was for, uh, I thought, oh, I'm just going to feel good. No, it's for pain and
0: Yeah, at least for me, it helped quite a bit. It felt like like it would replace riding the spin bike for me for, like, loosening my knee up because it, I guess, helps circulate blood and stuff like that. But then once my knee healed up, I would do it and be like, okay, now I don't really feel a huge difference. So (laughs) I think... Yeah, it's kind of subtle, but it's doing something, but it's harder to sell that to people. That's something I would break out if someone sh- shows up for a float and they have like a real injury that I'm like, hey, let's throw this in for you because I think you'll you'll like it.
1: Yeah, definitely, because that's, uh, oh, uh, you know, they try to supplement with selling supplements or, yeah, like an infrared or a. a, a um cryotherapy another loser i think i I love cryotherapy personally but it's a loser it's a loser to run i've heard on the on the on the operator end
0: that's what i would imagine
1: (laughs) it's expensive sometimes you can't even get the liquid nitrogen you know what i mean like i've come in for a session and it's like oh we ain't got none today i'm like oh okay well yeah sucks to be me
0: there's a lot of like legal stipulation and stuff just around storing and handling that stuff it's very risky you know there's those horror stories of workers that pass out oh yeah oh yeah they get in there
1: by themselves and they uh yeah
0: yeah that's what scares the crap out of me because i'm like man i've like i've overflowed the float tank before myself when i'm filling it up and adding salt water by not paying attention it's like i'd end up doing something dumb if i had liquid nitrogen on hand probably (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, th- that was the thing I was always trying to do at the float center was uh, idiot proof everything and make everything as safe and almost childproof in a way. Yeah, I, 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 I was so thankful in two years working at the, the place I did that didn't have the best setup for um, safety and, and like the floor and stuff that I had nobody fall. I, yeah. and I was I don't know about you. I, mean, I don't know if you had anything like bad happen over the eight years you were running that. But I mean, the possibilities are endless of things that can go wrong.
0: Yeah, there really are so many possibilities. I got really lucky. And I think it's it's kind of one of those things. It's almost like I believe in karma. And I feel like it's like a karmic thing where I don't know, like, I hear all these I've heard some absolute horror stories from other float spas. And I would tell them to my customers sometimes and be like, luckily, that's never happened to me. And stuff like that. But it's like, yeah, you hear about Places where people poop in the towel bin and stuff like that. And luckily, I never had anything crazy like that. I'm trying to think of the craziest.
1: You t- never had a code brown in the tank in eight I years. Had.
0: No, never had a code brown or a code yellow. I got really lucky. Never had anything like that.
1: I think I caught a guy jacking it, and uh, I mean, I know I caught him. Not, not like I saw him, but I, I figured out what he was doing. And then what, what, what was happening was. And people that are, you know, listening and thinking about floating, it's okay to float. Okay. Number one, the Epsom salt, you don't need any other thing in there. The Epsom salt kills everything. You can lay in, you can lay in the jizz. Okay. You know, you're laying in somebody else's jizz. It's gross, but it's not going to hurt you because the salt just kills everything. And that's why I hated with the health department. I'm like, bro, don't you understand? Like, I don't need any of this extra stuff. The salt does all the work for me. All right. It's a
0: sanitized solution.
1: Exactly. So I caught this guy because he was taking a real long time and I heard splashing sounds and moaning. And, uh, well, well our routine was, unless it was, uh, I had a lot of time or unless it was like somebody that I thought was going to be extra messy. I would usually just run the pump right after they got out. So they would, they jump out of the shower or they jump into the shower and, uh, maybe after five minutes, because this is a busy day where I've got, I'm turning over two yeah. tanks every hour, hour and a half. And there's people in the lobby and it's just me. And that's the other thing about being a float center operator is you can't really have two people because there's a ton of downtime. Are we going to pay that person to just sit there?
0: Exactly.
1: So you got to figure that out too. But yeah. So I caught this guy and I'm like, you know what? I think this guy's doing this in here, but I haven't caught the actual fluid in the tank. And there's all Gosh. kinds of biomaterials in a float tank. People that are listening, by the way, there's hair stuff, there's skin. You should, you'd yeah. be surprised what comes off on that filter uh, when you actually pull it and clean it. And so I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to shut the pump off. I'm not going to run the, the filter on this guy. I'm going to just let him float, which is how it should be done, by the way. You shouldn't be in there with that pump going because that electromagnetic and that that sound, it really yeah. fucks with your vibe. But on yeah, a busy yeah. day, we didn't have a choice. And also, it, it, I, I felt like it would help people like speed them up. Like, okay, it, sometimes I wouldn't run it, but if they were taking too long, I would run the pump to speed them up. Like, okay, time yeah. to get the hell out of here. Um, exactly. But so this guy... I didn't run the pump and sure enough, I go in and my suspicions are confirmed. Never, never confronted him about it. Um, cause he was a good guy, you know, a good customer. And next time he came in, like, so he, so this last time I didn't run it. Right. So his jizz was just like laying there in the tank. Yeah. And I went yeah. and I, I saw and confirmed it, but he also knew he's like, Oh shit. He's like, now I'm caught. You know what I mean? But I never made a big deal about it. I never said anything about it. But after that, it never happened again.
0: Yeah. That's, probably a perfect way to do it you can kind of subtly catch them but then don't humiliate them to where they can right. keep coming back so yeah, that was I, never, I had i think i had one case similar to that where i had a suspicion and i ended up kind of leaving it to doubt and i'm to this day i'm not positive if it was or not because it was similar i had a suspicion i left the pump off i went in there was something but it was questionable to where it like like, I don't, I was like, I don't know if this could be like maybe some bubbles or something from him sloshing around or maybe spit or something. Yeah, spit um, looks like
1: it too. Spit looks very yeah, similar to it.
0: It was just questionable enough that I was like, I'm not going to say anything and i dealt with it but then same thing i was like i'm going to keep a close eye on the tank and i'm never running the pump when this guy floats and then every time he came after that i never suspected it again so i didn't end up confronting him i kind of took a similar route but i wasn't fully convinced but to this day i'm not sure
1: (laughs) (laughs) i was pretty convinced and yeah I, i think i saw what i saw uh to finally put that cherry on top but uh that was i mean luckily yeah no code browns uh, yeah, you, you,
0: I, I lucked out. I didn't have anything too crazy. I think the, the goofiest thing I ever had was I just had a handful of people that would get so relaxed that they would sleep through. Like I have a little bit of music that comes on and some transducers in the tank to wake you up. And it's pretty, I mean, it's subtle music, but it's loud once it fully kicks on. And I've had a handful of people sleep right through it to where I had to do the awkward kind of like reach into the, room and try not to look and knock on the float tank and oh
1: man up. see that's but. okay so every once in a while yeah you get somebody in these tanks that would be just straight knocked out and a lot yeah. of times i think a lot of times i think they took an edible but yeah <laughs> my, my procedure was uh light and music i don't know some of the tank one of the tank had light one of the tank had music so it depends on the tank but i would try to wake you up with the light and then i'd wake you up with the music and then if it couldn't wake up with the calm music, then i turn it on to something a little bit more aggressive, something rock and roll or right. something. And yeah, then if, yeah. if, if if that didn't work, then I'd actually run the pump on them. And I had three people in two years sleep through rock and roll pump. I'm cool. going <laughs> to the point and the, and the door is locked too. So I'm like, oh, my, and I'm banging on the door too. I'm banging on it hard. I'm screaming. I'm yelling. Cause I'm like, this motherfucker is yeah. dead. I'm scared yeah. now. I got to go in there. And now this whole place is going to have this ghost energy of yeah. this dead person that died in the float tank. But no, it's just like you, know, I unlock the door, kind of reach in. And as I bang on the tank, because luckily the tanks down, I can't see anybody. And, uh, and they don't even know, I, they didn't even know I was in there, right? They just like wake up and they think that they've just woken up on time and it's normal. But no, they have gone through uh, a, almost uh, a, a, a battle outside the tank to get them to to come back to awareness. But a lot of times um, it, it was I come to find out they had taken an edible And that that next level, but uh, I've had plenty of people not take an edible and just be so have such a uh, sleep debt, be so exhausted, be so stressed out. And then they get in that salt, that buoyancy, they float the decompression of the neck and spine. That's a huge thing. Your whole body. That was my journey was develop developing body intuition to the point where I realized how, how, how screwed up my body was. And that led on a whole journey of self-discovering other modalities uh, to heal with. So that's why I still, I love floating and I, I floated not too long ago. I've been floating as much and I just felt so amazing afterwards. I'm like, Oh, I used to do this every day. So owning a float center, I see some of these people don't float at all. I floated sometimes twice a day. I floated at least every day. Cause I lived oh. there. I would wake up in the morning and that was how I would start my day at five in the morning in the float tank, about 45 minutes. Um, what was your float frequency?
0: So I went through different waves of it. When I originally had it in my garage and my house in college, we were, I was like sleeping in that float tank, basically. And I would just go get home from work at like 11 p.m. and just hop right in that thing and just see how long I could stay in there throughout the evening. And I spent tons of time doing like four to six hour floats, like almost every night. And then once I had it, in my space, I would do kind of the routine you're talking about when I was moved to Idaho, and it was in a commercial space. I wasn't living there, but I was there every morning. And I would start my day off usually with like a 45 minute float on each morning. And that became my routine for a while. And I would have periods where it would kind of shake out to like, if I was really busy, like, typically, it'd be like around the holidays, my floats would get really busy and our town's a big Christmas destination for skiing and stuff. So I'd make a lot of my money during the Christmas holiday. So during those times I would kind of lose my interest and I would float a lot less and cut back to like once a week or once every two weeks because there's just so much chaos. And I was spending such long hours at the space that it was becoming hard for me to relax while I was there. But oh But yeah. once, once it would be out of busy season, I usually try to get back on my float at the beginning of the day type of schedule. And during COVID, I kind of, I ended up, the business went through some ups and downs and I ended up floating kind of infrequently for a phase. And then I just, I would go in phases with it where I would float, you know, a bunch of times for a few weeks and then I would take a few weeks off and kind of go back and forth.
1: Nice. So we're going through the glory years of 2017, uh, and eighteen, and then we start to turn the corner into two thousand nineteen, and obviously March, April, twenty uh, twenty.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: I don't know how you felt about it, but uh, I think it's a huge disgrace that uh, as many people willingly did what they did. You know, just with the yeah. TV telling them to do it. You know, like what's going exactly. on here? So that did you was- did you fight it? So give me your breakdown. So we're getting into 2020 things are looking great, right? You're probably doing pretty good. And, uh, you know, maybe you foresee this going on indefinitely. I don't know, but I was just turning a corner where we had fixed a lot of the things that were wrong about what we bought initially. And then we were starting to really get going and then, Oh, we're going to shut down. Luckily, Florida wasn't as bad as some other places. Thank God you weren't in California. And Idaho seems to be pretty friendly. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I mean, I know Owen Benjamin lives there and he's pretty into societies that are, you know, almost anti-government in a way.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know,
1: so tell me about your pandemic story.
0: Yeah. So I kind of had a similar story to a lot of people, I think, that ended up going my direction where initially I took it very serious and was very concerned. And we shut down the businesses and we're staying home and very worried about everything. And then it was kind of like, I've always been interested obviously in different content, which is what has driven me to like your content. And it's, I've always thought outside of the box and kind of not trusted the narrative and the government and things like that. And as soon as I started hearing like the first snippets with all the like discrepancies with numbers and deaths and hospitals being paid for reporting deaths as COVID as soon as I caught like the first bit of that I basically like immediately had this big gut feeling that I'd been duped And was like, oh, like, you're falling for this shit, dude. Like, you know better than this. And then I just went down that wormhole of like, all right, let's really look into like what real information is coming out about this thing. And pretty quickly was convinced that we're going through a psyop and that it was ridiculous. So basically, as soon as I had that figured out, at that point, I had a serious girlfriend and she was running a juice bar. That was like in the same type of in the same like mall type building as my float spa. And so we shut both businesses down originally, but we had decided like, you know what? We think this is BS. Let's reopen them and let's go back to work. Some people are doing it and we're going to be some of the people that are doing it. So we basically like got our staffing back somewhat and then got going, but the staff that we returned, it's like we immediately had this split where like, I know like half of my staff was actually told by their parents, like not to come back and work. And they thought like their parents were saying that we were very irresponsible for like wanting to reopen our business. And I think it was after the two weeks, because we did stay home for the two weeks. And then yeah. it was like when the, when the two weeks had passed, we were like, okay, we're going back. And other people were trying to shame us for doing that. So we only were able to retain like half of our staff, that we had. And I had a handful of those staff from our smoothie bar. They were cross-trained on my floats. And that's how I had kind of, I was still being involved in two different businesses because I was helping out at my girlfriend's business when she started it. And I was able to basically help out at both by cross-training some people. So now all of a sudden I had way less people to do floats. And it was becoming hard for me to be available with all that time, because I'd taken on some extra responsibilities when I'd had staff and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And immediately, I just noticed a huge decrease in interest and in float people. And I think one of the big divides that like, it kind of shocked me, but it also doesn't shock me looking back. But it's that whole concept that it's like I mentioned earlier when I was doing floats in those glory days, I was really realizing that those were the type of people I really enjoyed. And they were kind of usually like psychedelic weirdos, kind of like you and me, I feel like, and it was kind of fun to hang out those people. And then with COVID, it was just this interesting shift where all of a sudden, all of like these people who are my float customers, who I always viewed as like these hippy dippy kind of free-spirited people were like being very judgmental about mask wearing and Mm -hmm. about vaccination and all these things and you know like reporting the propaganda of Pfizer and these giant pharmaceutical companies and I'd always kind of been in the middle where like I've subscribed to like float tanks and meditation and kind of these hippie ideas but I've also been kind of like I have had conservative slash libertarian leanings and senses of just like freedom and like gun ownership Mm -hmm. and things like that. And I've always kind of sat in the middle, but it was really interesting for me as the business owner to watch like the people who I used to click really well with kind of shift on me. And then because I took the stance I took where we decided to reopen, we decided not to enforce masks and I wasn't enforcing mask wearing on my staff or our customers. And I put up all the signs about like, we don't discriminate against vaccinated or unvaccinated. We had those on our doors and things like that. And just seeing these people who had been so great to me, and I'd had nothing but good relationships with them for like the five years I'd had my business at that point and watching them all just turned so nasty over that really lost I think it like killed a lot of my spark for the float industry and like the electricity that was there for the 2015 through 2018 period because I always had this concept that it's like a lot of these people are way more hippy dippy than I am or they're different than I am but we all can get along on this same common ground of floating and having an interest in these things and the I don't know, COVID shifted that population of people, I feel like, or at least enough people to where the clientele for floating shifted hard. And then I think in our town, especially, it's kind of like a very liberal ski resort type of town, like Mm -hmm. most of our communities, Californian second homes and stuff like that so we really got like our town the rest of idaho did not react the same but our town was like downtown la it felt like and Uh. our two businesses became like absolutely just picketed basically for being open and we had people calling the police on us and luckily the police would just tell us they weren't going to actually do anything and they would just come and politely ask us to wear masks and we would politely tell them no And then they would go away. But we went through so much hostility that it actually led me into the last thing I attempted to do with my float tank before ultimately deciding to sell the business was I tried to create what you mentioned earlier at the beginning of our podcast is where you talked about having a float club. And I tried to have like my, I reached out to all of like my best customers who came the most frequent over the years. And I tried to promote this idea of like, we would have a key fob system and I would spend time working and I could be at the building and get the float tank ready for people. But people could essentially kind of be part of this diehard float club where they could schedule their own floats and have like a keyless entry. And my job would be to kind of, to make sure that I'm there to be cleaning the tank in between appointments and stuff like that. And that was kind of my way to try and recoup the customers that would still allow me to find joy in doing floating because I just found that it's like after COVID and the societal shift that happened, the average person that was coming to the float tank just ended up being very confrontive and abrasive about masks and vaccination and all those things. And it just took all the joy out of doing the job. So I thought that doing the float club would be a great way to kind of be able to weed out bad apples and get a good group of customers. And we tried to run it for a little bit and it was a cool idea and it went for a short period of time. And then unfortunately we had someone end up leaving our pump system on overnight and Ooh. it caused to, with the pump overheating, which right. ended up costing me a lot of money. And then I decided I'm going to pull the trigger and put the business up for sale because since COVID, when our numbers died off, it hadn't really been profitable. So we were very profitable in those glory years. And then as soon as we lost our staffing and we took the stance of not enforcing masks and not enforcing vaccination or anything it seemed that we lost a lot of our clientele and it was kind of just breaking even after that point point. and not only was it not making money there's just so much battle and confrontation i was having to do with people just to navigate the covid scare that it became really felt like it wasn't worth it to me anymore to keep doing it basically
1: yeah, and that's where I was getting at myself with my situation. And but mine ended in a blaze of glory because of all of those things we just talked about, the politics, the masks, the vaccines, the and it, and it was the same. It was like, man, I've never seen so many people that are like supposed liberal and leftist before the government. Like, what the hell happened yeah. to people? Like, what the what, what is going exactly. on here? I'm like, what and, and, and a mask, a piece of cloth. Like people are really it just shows you the level of unconsciousness and brainwashing that a TV, a phone, an official source like my my problem was when this popped off i had a great relationship with everybody
0: yeah um
1: and everybody loved me and i was awesome i got along with everybody i was in the space of oneness and um i didn't really see color or flags or anything that's divisive i just saw hey you're a human being you're one of god's children that wants to better themselves potentially let me be a part of that. that that's awesome but i'm not a moron and I'm not a, I'm not I don't lay down for people. I don't take shit off anybody. And I tell yeah. it like it is. And that's a problem for my for my business partner who who basically robbed me in the end Um, for uh, 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 the folks who never would have worked if I wasn't working there and living there because I was doing the job of five people. Yeah. And and and, and you know, like the the money, like the true situation money wise was never understood because things weren't paid how they should have been paid what they were worth. So they were getting a lot of value out of somebody that could do the job of five people like social media cleaning i cleaned that place for 2 years the pain in the yeah. ass is pulling those filters out and cleaning them
0: that's a full time job <laughs> full
1: time job so and then being at the desk uh, being nice and presentable and, and, and accommodating and then that fourth, fifth job of like spiritual master that can you know take any situation that somebody's having and and you know bring them back to earth and relax them so i'm like you know what you want to get rid of me it's not working out you were barely breaking even here you're kicking me out i can't live here anymore um, I, 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 we didn't, we never had an agreement in place and I just assumed I was the business partner slash owner. And for a long time, they let me do that. I'm not going to say they're, I'm, I'm using they, but it's one person. Yeah, sure. Um, and I, and I'm like, it was very sad. I lost a lot of friends. And another thing I learned was people don't care, man. And, and I'm trying not to be pessimistic, but what one thing I learned when I got out of that place where I changed hundreds of people's lives over two years, like had, Points where they're crying and they're confiding in me, and they, you know, I've been a part of their lives, and then nobody, no friends, n- nobody keeps up with me after I'm gone, nobody cares, maybe yeah. two or three, but I already knew those were my friends. But I lost a lot of people because of my outspoken stance on the politics, the mass, the vaccines. I don't care who I lost because I'd rather be alone and be like in the truth, at least of something I believe is right and truthful than being with the crowd. So for me, it was. No brainer, it's always been like that for me, and my life has been a struggle because of my mouth and because of who I am and how I, I just cannot be any other way, I can't fall in line. And, uh, you know, like, and you're gonna listen to the news, like, this person was an attorney too, so it had to be official. I'm, I'm Mr. Conspiracy yeah. Theory, so I was this person coming in every day with a new conspiracy theory, which you know, looking back, I was right about everything, but yeah,
0: exactly, you know, and
1: and 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 and. and coming in every day with a mask on it when i never wore a mask for two years but they would still wear a mask every single day i'm like look it, do- it doesn't matter nobody cares really there was a, there was yeah. there was two customers it was an old white woman who wanted me to wear the mask and she wore a black lives matter mask too by the way it's an old white woman and she demanded yeah. i wear the mask and there was another woman who was like i'm not floating unless you wear the mask i don't feel comfortable i'm like all right fine i'll wear the mask for you obviously for yeah. five minutes when i see you but then i'm taking it off while you're in the tank obviously so yeah. for me, I, I feel your pain, man. Like I lost a lot of passion for floating to to want to get up and do it again. You know what I mean? Because it's a lot of work that it's uh, you don't see behind the scenes of the constant cleaning, constant cleaning. Yep. And um, people like sitting there talking to you for an hour after they're supposed to be gone. I don't know if how, how much that happened to you, but it was almost every person oh, yeah. to the point where I didn't like yeah. kind of like limit
0: myself. A therapist is like part of the description of being a float host, it seems like. Exactly, that's that's yeah. like the
1: most important thing. You literally need the person that can clean a tank, can run a, a cashier, uh, you know, a cash machine, and yeah, can do that spiritual like uh, like holding space after a, a psychedelic trip, you know, somebody that can hold space for other people. Basically, if you wanna run a float center, you need to have unconditional love for all people. Yeah. And Which at the end became my point where I'm like, I don't care anymore because these people are so brain dead and so stupid. I don't feel like fighting this battle. Nobody cares. Everybody's against me. Yep. Um, so, you know what? You guys can have it. Fine. I'm not getting paid anything anyway. I'll go do my own thing. So well, you, it's interesting so-
0: that COVID was the turning point for you as well because that's really – For me, like for you, it was the turning point with your relationship with your partner. And then for me, it was kind of like the turning point with my relationship with my clientele as a whole as well.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a huge difference in the float universe prior to 2020 and then after. And I didn't want it to be that way. But I'm like, in the beginning, I'm like, okay, this will just go away after like two weeks. But then just like, you I'm like, oh, no, this is a real psyop and they're going for it. I go, this could be the one, right? Initially, I was like,
0: initially... Okay. I said, this is another bird flu and it'll be done in two weeks. And boy, was I wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable. The stupidity levels. Um, and, and, I, and I think now that people are vaccinated and uh, it's even worse, right? They never, they were traumatized from this thing. Some people took a vaccine, which I think took down their IQ levels. Unfortunately, I don't know, man. It just seems like it's zombie land a lot and, and, and zombies don't want to float too. That was the other thing. It's like, okay. Like nobody wants to float anymore because they're scared of COVID because they're a moron. Uh, because yep. it's just the flu or, uh, they don't know what floating is and, or this place, the facility, I don't know about your, your situation, but this place isn't, isn't in the best spot. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a marginal, marginal neighborhood, but, and it's also in a shed. So it's like not yeah. the best, not the best facility, but it had a lot of charm.
0: Yeah, Exactly. Mine's the same. It's like hole in the wall, like older building. I'm kind of tucked away in a corner, dark corner of the building. But once you were in there, it had a lot of charm and it was cozy. But it's like we're making things work, you know, and you got to it already takes work to get people into those places and to have a good experience. And then when you're working against like a whole system that's creating zombies, it just becomes dis disinteresting. It's hard.
1: It's very hard because it's so much work um, for people who are just going to leave a bad review. You're barely going to make any money. Um, you know, like, I don't know. Did you get rich doing this for eight years? I didn't.
0: No, definitely not. <laughs> I got to live a fun lifestyle. And exactly. Lot, that's about it.
1: <laughs> uh, for me, it was like a magic carpet ride. It's like, you know what? Like, I- I've always tried to prove to people you can do a lot in life with nothing. Like, God can take care of you. You can have cool experiences as long as you're a good person and, and do your due when it's time to give up your magic trick for free. Um, yep. Like, So I always try to extend that to other people, but floating though, it's, uh, it's changed my life. It's, it's, it's a super important part of it still. So do you feel the same way? Like, is floating still an important part of your life?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what, for me, that's what's made me less interested in it now. And like, I know I'll always have floating in my life in one way or another, but it's made me less interested in running the float spa at this point in my life, just because of the other people and their reaction to it. And it's almost like it's frustrating when you're someone like me or you who has this intense appreciation for it. And it seems like after the shift and the vaccinations and everything, people just don't appreciate it for what it is. And that becomes really frustrating as the host trying to get these people interested in something when it seems like the something's been cut off within them where it doesn't click with them anymore.
1: Well, like I think also the, the, the trying to
0: connect that bridge.
1: Well, I think polarization is a big part of it. Um, yeah. You know, definitely. like, but before we could all meet in the middle as friends, but now it's like, we're on a team. I'm not on a team really, but I'm not on the idiot team. That's for sure. So if we had to go that way, then I'm definitely not on the idiot team. But, yeah. but from 2019 and prior to that, it was a whole different world of people just got along differently. Um, you know th- things weren't pushed in the media as much as they were now, um, to like almost exactly. to the, like extreme levels of div- divisiveness, divisiveness. But, um, another thing I wanted to talk about was you know the breakdown, the end, the like breaking it down. It's a hard decision, or is it is it an easy decision at this point? You know, what did you do? Where did the tanks go? Like, what happened to the space? What's let's hear the end of the story,
0: yeah? So, it was. Really hard decision for me. I've basically been paying my rent in that space all through COVID. And like I said, I haven't made a profit really. So oh, oh, we well,
1: one thing I want to ask you, by the way, uh, and we fought about this too during the initial part of COVID and the, the money and all this was they decided to take a PPP loan. Okay. I said, no, uh-huh. I said, let's stay open. I fought it. I was real in a fight, but I said, you know what? You're going to be that way. You want to take the money. You're going to be the money person. Cause that was the one thing they did. Was the money yeah. side of things? It's like, okay, fine. I'll do creative. I'll clean the tanks. I'll kiss people's asses. I'll do all this other stuff. Just pay yeah. the bills, you know. And if you want to take, if you know better than me, PPP's the way to go. I didn't know at the point at that point, you know, what PPP really was, which was which was a bribe to shut down.
0: Yep. Exactly.
1: You know. So you didn't take that, did you? You just kept trucking along.
0: No, we just kept. I don't think I was eligible for it because I had a felony when I was a kid
1: mm. for some
0: pot stuff yeah <laughs> but yeah so i wasn't even allowed to take that and that was yeah it was very interesting to watch so many people and just people openly talking about it and like, openly asking you thinking that it's like their business like so did you take it why mm-hmm. haven't you taken it and stuff like that it's like we shouldn't even be discussing
1: this. no 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 not at all so yeah. it's ending you're deciding the walls are collapsing what's the end like
0: Yeah, so basically, I had been paying rent, tried to staff it, I tried to, I've had the float spa for sale for about a year now. And I've kind of been advertising it, like I'm open to selling the whole business to someone, or I'm open to partnering with someone, like even if you don't have the money to buy the business, if you want to come like run the tank and run the center, I'll like figure out some ownership for you or whatever, because Basically during COVID when that became so slow, I started doing some handyman stuff because I wasn't making any money off of my float spa anymore. And now my handyman business is like killing it and making great money. And that's something that's totally thrived during COVID with all the moving around people are doing and building. And, I was gonna ask you know, by
1: the way, I, 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 you have to be, okay so this is the third element of my story which is a, a hidden partner, right? My business partner, married her their, their. Well, her husband was a fabricator and a mr fix anything and yeah. without without him that was the third wheel there that was very important it, that would have cost money obviously to have somebody do all the things that he did but we wouldn't have been able to done half the things we would have we did without him so that's yeah. why i'm thinking like you must be a pretty handy guy to have uh to, to install a float tank to fix all the things that break to to fabricate to you know what i mean so you And also one thing, I don't know, you never talked about this and I don't even know if you still offer it, but I was looking at your float or your, um, your business and it's like custom float tank fabrication. Do you still do that?
0: Yeah, that's something I still do. I've made some float tanks for some friends of mine and I've put a float tank in someone's house before and like a residential setup and I've done some cool stuff like that. So for people that do want to do like a custom float tank in the spa or anything, That's something that I do, but yeah, it's an intro. That's kind of how I got into my handyman stuff is I had a few people like my tank so much. They requested for me to build them the same tank. And then I started realizing that I think I can make more money off of doing fabrication and construction type of work anyway. And since COVID was kind of keeping my float spa really slow, I shifted in that direction. And I've just been a lot happier because I have a lot more financial freedom to where I can still float my own tank or I can go pay to float in another tank, but I'm a lot happier just not having to deal with, I don't know, I guess it's just been depressing watching your client, watching the clientele shift into the zombie situation like we talked about. And I've felt, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I've almost felt like somewhat betrayed by a lot of my clients in the float world where it's like, I just really felt like we were on the same page with not treating each other like this over differences. And it's hard to go back after people treat you like that. Oh, and I, I, I
1: won't go back. I'll forget, I forgive, but I never forget. That's biblical, never forget. Okay, forgive, yeah. but never forget. I don't want to work with you ever again. I'm good. God's got other plans for me. And you didn't you didn't appreciate me, you didn't want me. Uh, you don't want Mr. Float Universe getting people in and out of the tanks, cool people coming by, B-list celebrities. Oh, you don't want that. You want to have a, a nobody on your schedule and clean the pumps yourself. Go for it. All right. Yeah. Go for it. Cause I wasn't making enough. I wasn't making any money. I was doing it yeah. for the passion. I mean, I was making a little bit of money, but I was doing it for the passion. And I, there's a thousand things I could have done in those two years that I could have made way more money. I should have, yeah. I should have dipped out in 2020, but I hung on for another year. I should have dipped out then um but it's okay i'm 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 happy where i'm at now i'm out there going to float centers making videos but back to you so did the tank come with you home or did you sell it
0: so i ended up bringing it home and i think i'm hoping right now it's been bad news in my head ever since but basically while my business was for sale my landlord recently approached me and wanted me to renew my lease with her, which isn't up until August, but I think she's trying to plan ahead. And I let her know that I'm I'm trying to sell the float business, and if it doesn't sell by that time, I'm probably not going to renew the lease, and I'm going to be trying to move the float tank. And my landlord's kind of an interesting lady, and she basically really freaked out and told me that she's like not okay with me selling the tank to someone else. And she basically kicked me out of the building. So that made selling the tank a lot more difficult because like we'd talked about the space that it was in is the hardest thing to find. And the space I had was so ideal and low cost. That's like a big selling point for that business. So I ended up taking the tank down and right now it's in, parts basically it's a kit so it can be put back together but it's at my house and I'm hoping that I can come up with some kind of plan for it or sell it but I still have it and I'm bouncing ideas around I'm hoping I don't know I'm hoping maybe I can end up keeping it and setting it up somewhere but I'm not really sure what it's going to end up doing at this point
1: so you, you you got kicked out of there so you're not in there at all anymore
0: nope yeah, I got it all moved out, and
1: I was gonna I'm say I'll come up there. Rent. I'll come up there and help you out.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I wish I'd known that beforehand. Now she's yeah gone crazy, and I think now it's I don't think I could get back in there because the, well, the landlord's a weird situation now. But there's lots of potential for it still. It's like I was really hoping that someone who was in the position that I was in back during those glory days, you know, who wants to go work on their own schedule and how oh, the dude, appointments it's me, it's open. Me. It's like, <laughs> that would be a really great lifestyle and stuff. And now that I've, my life's shifted since COVID, which I kind of see it as the positive thing that came out of my life with all the effects of COVID. I had a lot of negative stuff with the business, but I did, my girlfriend that I was with through COVID, I think going through the COVID storm, like totally made us connect on a different level and we ended up getting married. Oh, congratulations. I was going
1: to ask about her. and, and that Yeah, you know. thanks.
0: It's great. and I, It's like you hear about the horror stories of couples that had to go through COVID and it ended up tearing them apart. And for us, it was the total opposite, I think. So that's one positive aspect of COVID. But now we're kind of like we're trying to move to a homestead location where we can really take our homesteading to the next level and start a family. And I'm super into that direction. And I really think that floating like has served me and it's always going to be a big part of my life and I'm always going to be floating, but I'm not sure. I mean, the most ideal situation would be that I keep this tank and maybe we can move somewhere where I can have it in a house again one day and have friends float or something, but we'll get to see what happens. Luckily, I think I'm always close to Boise and there's a twi- uh, float spa on twin falls now, which is an hour away from where I live. And there's lots of options now. So it's easier for me to get around and float and not have to deal with the stress of owning and running the center. So I'm not really sure which direction it'll take me. I might keep the tank or I might sell it, but we'll see.
1: It's just crazy. I, 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 uh, I see some of these, float centers come and go. And I, you know, I I was friends with some of these people and then they're gone out of the industry forever. Um, yeah. some people, some people have ma- maintained, uh, so, uh, what I like to see, uh, what, what I normally see with these businesses is it's either a couple or it's a motivated guy that loves floating or it's a, like a, um, franchise. Yeah. But, uh, I like, the way we had it and the way you have it. I like that one, you know, a hardcore person who's into it, sets the space, knows exactly what it is. Like kind of like Crash, rest in peace. I think he passed away a couple months ago at yeah. uh, um, Float Lab. Big, big name in the float industry. F- got Joe Rogan into it. It can't get any bigger than that, except for John wow. Lilly. But rest in peace to Crash. He's another one of those guys that you go in there and especially in its earlier days, it was just like you're talking about the setup, the the guru, the crystals, the the incense, all that stuff. Yeah. Um but it's just crazy because I've been wanting to move to Idaho and you know uh I I'm open to like I said there's a particular float situation I'd be open to doing again. I would never want to work at some floats in like 10 tanks or something like that. Uh which is like commercial flip over and you know it's like a spa. Which is it's it's it, that's great. It's its own thing, right? For sure. You yeah. get totally you can get 20 minutes in a tank, you'll get great physical benefits. People wanted to do like a half hour, I'm like no. We're not doing that. I go. You need the full hour, but honestly, yeah. you could get like early mornings when I couldn't get the full float in thirty minutes. I'm like, oh, that's that's amazing.
0: Yeah, it still helps. And if you're trained for it, there's a difference when you're an experienced floater hopping. In uh, that's true. That's true. Hopping them for their first time.
1: That's a good point. I, I call it a groove, right? You you over yeah. time uh, get a deeper and deeper groove that gets easier to sink in. Where I'm in 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 a minute and I'm gone. Whereas somebody can be in there an hour and they're just like, well, what's going on here? You know, like I'm I'm enjoying it sort of, but I can't quite get in that space.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll have to chat. We'll have to, you'll have to look around at Idaho and.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, like like, if that woman comes back to you, (laughs) you know, that's what I'm saying. If something comes up where you see an opportunity to put that float tank back in action, you want somebody to, to just like, you know, gun it like you did for a couple of years, you know, just one guy, five in the morning till 10 a.m. And another question, overnight floats. You seem like kind of the place that you do an overnight float. We did
0: overnight floats a lot. I did quite a bit of them. Do you do do some of them for sure? I had only a handful of clients that were interested in it, but I definitely would allow, there's like one guy that loved it. I know that he played around with psychedelics and stuff while he was doing it. And I just turned a blind eye for him, but he, he would float for four to six hours in the evenings all the time loved
1: it yeah i noticed you said that you could sometimes float for four to six hours i could never do more than three on on sober or or any substance really i could couldn't do it that long I people that do it eight hours like a i had one woman that could do it like she was sleeping in it like a like dracula
0: yeah just she could it. she
1: would come in and just lay down there for eight hours I'm like dear god
0: I really had to be in the right move to go beyond three hours. Usually I was like you, like two to three is kind of my window.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like the whole thing with John Lilly. Like you have to do like hardcore drugs in the tank to be in there for hours on end. You know, you can't just be like laying there. I mean, maybe you can if you get into a real deep meditation. But another thing I noticed with a lot of my overnight floaters was, and myself included, it seems like, you know, the muscle gets so loose, all the ligaments and stuff get so relaxed that you need to put some gravity on your body after a while. Um, yeah, to, to, to like to get things to come back together. One of the things I noticed when I started floating, initially, the first year when I had the membership, which was like three or four times a week, um, I, I became almost uh, too relaxed. I almost think that there was a there's a sweet spot to floating. And as of somebody somebody's floated as, as many times as you have, what do you what do you agree with that? Or is there too much floating?
0: Can yeah, you get too relaxed. I've- I used to tell, I used to have clients that would ask like, how frequent should I do it? If like, I'm not concerned about spending money or whatever. And I would tell them like, I like to, it kind of depends on your activity level, but you know, I like to do a certain kind of frequency and a certain amount of time to where I'm still like feeling a benefit each time that I do it so that I have an appreciation for it. Cause I feel like if I'm floating like two to three hours every single day, it kind of all starts to flow together and I just feel great all the time and you kind of lose the appreciation for it versus like, if I, I would tell someone like, if you're being really active, you know, like I think you get a lot out of floating every other day or every day. But if you're someone who's like not really very physically active and you're kind of a mellow person, like you might float every day and you know, you might start getting out and be like, man, I don't really feel like that much happened in there.
1: Mm -hmm. i agree yeah
0: for me i've found like every other day or keeping it at like one to two hours i've even had times where like i if i float two hours in a row a few times in a row i kind of get bored of it and i'll start floating like 30 minutes and i kind of feel like i'm ready to get out after 30 minutes and that i'm just kind of killing time in there
1: yeah man even steaks every day kind of get uh tired after a while. You start you eat pizza every day, you're not going to want it after a while.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> but uh but yeah, that's one of the perks of owning a float tank or living in a float center, which is uh, you know, unlimited free floats. Yep. Um really So, uh, just a few more questions here and we'll wrap it up. Psychedelics, a lot of people hate me in the float community cuz I not necessarily promote it. But I have too much of an open conversation about it. And, you know, a lot of these float centers, I understand 100% because I've lived it now. But you don't want somebody on drugs coming in and freaking out, shitting in your tank, vomiting, whatever, you know, like having a bad trip, can't handle themselves. So what was your policy on that? Because my policy was, you know, I'm. I'm down for it. Obviously, like I would invite people to come do the overnight float if that's the case. But you know, p- people that didn't know Float Universe or whatever, they would come in to float just because they'd seen Joe Rogan or whoever, Altered States, the movie, something, yep. and they'd want to do that. They want to take edibles or or mushrooms. And I had about three or four times. I had one specific time where two guys came in, un- unknown to me, unbeknownst to me, they had both taken probably three, two or three grams of mushrooms. And these aren't like guys that do it a lot either. They're not like, okay. you know, yeah. And so one guy got in the tank and he was cool. I wouldn't even have known, but 10 minutes in the other room, the guy comes out and I could tell him like, Oh no. So I had to trip sit this guy for like four hours. I, I put him in the yoga room. I'm like, dude, you guys sit here. Um, you can't go anywhere. And I have to watch you now while I'm cleaning the tanks and making customers pay and, and having deep intellectual conversations about whatever, and you're in this other room, sweating and breathing heavy. So, as much as I encouraged it, I was like, st- "Stick to weed." With yeah,
0: the, with, backfires.
1: With coming in, like, did you ever have any experiences with psychedelics?
0: No. So I didn't have. So I know I had a guy that would take them, but he would typically. I feel like he would. I feel like I think he was taking acid, not mushrooms. And I think he would take it kind of right when he would show up to where it wasn't affecting him until he was in the tank. And that was kind of how it skated by with me. Cause I think the first few times he did long floats, he didn't actually tell me. And then it was like, after he'd done it a few times and nothing had gone wrong, I think he felt brave enough to be like, yeah, man, I've been, I've been dosing. These last late night floats, but he would never be under the effect of anything when he would show up with me. And then I would usually have it set up to where he would pay me and he would float and he would kind of let himself out and text me that he was letting himself out at the end, kind of thing. And so I would be in the building like cleaning and doing other stuff, but he was able to like let himself out if he wanted to. And there was just never an issue with it to where when he finally told me that he was doing it, I wasn't very concerned because I was like, well, I guess you have it you have it under control because you've done it a handful of times now. But then he was, I think, I think maybe him and then one or two of his buddies, I think. And it was never really like a spoken thing. Like he would send his buddy in to do a late night float and I would kind of suspect, but I would usually just kind of gauge people, I guess, when I would be putting them in, if I didn't notice anything or it wasn't blatantly obvious to me, I would kind of let it slide basically. And maybe I got really lucky practicing that policy that nothing did happen, but I had never had to turn anyone away. Luckily. I never had anyone come like fully, Tripping on anything, so.
1: Well, I've never turned them around for that, but I've turned quite a few people very unhappily, uh, very mad at me. And again, I don't care what people think. I get it done. I take care of business, and I try to do what's right. And if you're coming in here with red hair like Ronald McDonald, yeah, no. And and, and they're like, oh, we just drove an hour. Uh, or well, one time I uh I overbooked, I, or somebody made a mistake on the schedule. And I had somebody already in the tank. They came in 15 minutes earlier. And then this, this uh, older woman and I think it was a daughter or kid. I can't remember. It was the kid's birthday. And it was their first time floating. And they just drove like two hours. <laughs> and only had one tank available. And it was, oh. that tank was, that, that person was in there for 90 minutes too. They weren't getting out for any, any, no, they couldn't just wait. And yeah. this woman was pissed off. I'm like, look, I'm I'm sorry. It's a mistake. It happens. I ended up paying her money. I gave her money. I said, you know what? Here, I'm gonna give you some money. I'm gonna give you some free floats. I gave her twenty bucks and two free floats. Uh, you know, just please don't leave a bad review. <laughs> yeah, I paid exactly. I paid for her gas. She's like, What am I supposed yeah. to do about this? Or what am I gonna do? I go, Well, I'll pay for your gas, how about that? So that's I did my best, man.
0: Yeah, that's above and beyond.
1: But uh, you know, because yeah, reviews are everything. Um
0: yeah, but, definitely. Yeah, well, I I kind of got lucky navigating that. I think the people I kind of gauged people based on how they acted when they would come in. And then I don't, luckily I had a pretty small group of people and I think they were pretty experienced at it to where that was the other thing is because of who it was, I had a hunch kind of, but I was like, eh, I think they like can navigate this actually. And yeah, other than that, I definitely had a handful of people with like on weed edibles and stuff, and that was always kind of funny. But I was never really too worried about them.
1: Yeah, the the worst of weed edibles is uh, they just pass out in the tank to the point where yeah, you think they're you dead. Wanna, but
0: you just got to bang for half an hour to wake them up.
1: <laughs> yep. And every once in a while, I would smell, I'm like, "What? The, did you smoke in here?" I'm like, "No, I ate an edible." I'm like, "Oh wow, you sweated it out."
0: Yeah, I've had that before too. I've actually I've had people smoke in the room, and I usually won't say anything unless it's like. It seemed like I think I said something once when someone smoked enough to where the person in the room next to me mentioned something and I was like, I don't care, but the neighbors were complaining. So that
1: yeah, that was my issue. Uh my issue weren't with the clients, my issue was me. You know, I was smoking twenty-four-seven and that's one thing I learned about floating. I don't do you smoke weed?
0: Yeah, I do. Uh, and I, you know, I, I don't know. You... A lot of your stuff too about going back and forth with it. Okay. Too. I'm um, in the same boat.
1: So I don't I don't know if you ever noticed with floating, but I'll smoke at six o'clock in the morning, 10, 11. By noon, I'm blown out. You know, I'm just like tired. That tired weed, blown out feeling. Yeah. You get you get in the tank and it's like the game starts over again. You don't get the tolerance back, but you 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 don't feel fatigued. You get it's like an adrenaline uh, boost. Like it like smoking weed, doing psychedelics destroys your adrenaline. It's just yeah. constantly releasing it. And so for me, I would have this fatigue of just weed smoking fatigue, but I would get in the, I would have a floater for a few hours. I'm like, Oh, I'll I'll jump in for a half hour, 40 minutes. I'll feel amazing. And so just for that, just for that, like just getting trashed on weed, it would help. And one time before I uh, worked at the float center, I was just floating as a client. I had just really wrecked myself on MDMA one night, just took way too much. And my brain, my brain couldn't even put together basic sentences. It was like really bad. And I called the guy up that owned the float center at the time. I'm like, just really trying to put together what I'm trying to say. I'm like, really sounding bad. And he, he understood. And we were able to get a time. And I floated for an hour and a half. I talked better than I ever talked coming out of that float. So it, it really can do amazing things. And so, I don't I, Yeah, can you hear me?
0: Muted for just half a second or something. Now oh, I can hear you.
1: Okay. Well,
0: Sorry, repeat the last sentence you said.
1: What was I talking about?
0: You were just talking about you were you were talking to you were working or no you were floating at this float center but you weren't working there yet and you were talking to the owner and you were frazzled yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah oh yeah I, I just wanted and to say
0: yeah he was helping your weed
1: oh yeah so if you didn't hear function, that yeah I blast myself out on MDMA destroyed myself uh, yeah one night right. I came back floated never been better. So that's why I wanted to thank you, man, because it's a thankless job. A lot of times it's a hard job. Like it's not, but it's also like 20, 30 minutes of like heavy work, sweating, cleaning, talking, and then an hour, hour and a half of nothing. Yeah. So it's a weird job. Um, it, it's a uh, it, it's an important job, I feel. And I, I'm eight years, man, like that's longer than I've been. At, and so cheers to you eight years running a float center maybe we'll get something going who knows like maybe it it doesn't sound like to me like the door's been fully closed to 5b
0: me either i feel like there's a there's a part of me that's like it's just kind of going into hibernation for a little while and there's some kind of shift that's gonna happen and it'll come back out and resurface but yeah i'm not sure what that shift's gonna be but to me too. I don't, floating's definitely not over in my life. I know I'm going to be involved in some kind of float business or situation again at some point.
1: I mean, especially you can build them too. Like that's a huge part of, like I said, the uh, the startup cost is, you know, it's like, it's like a woman and a, or a couple with money. It's like, okay, well, I can't do anything, but I can buy everybody that can build and fabricate. You know, I don't need to be having, you don't need skill when you have money, but you yeah, don't need exactly. money when you have skill as, yeah. at least as much, you know? So mm-hmm. Um, that's how we were running before. Just like I had all the skills and you could pay me one amount of money for five people. And, and it was great too. So I, it's rare that I have a peer in this world of floating and and psychedelics and and float ownership and and putting people in these things. It's a very small world. And, uh, even in that small world, we have this division now of politics and, oh, you, you wore the mask and you, you tried to make me wear the mask or, yeah you didn't take the vaccine you're killing everybody you know shit like that for two years so i just i'm grateful to be able to talk to you and and to you know be a part of this story here with your float center because i've watched it on instagram now for i guess eight years because i've been on instagram since 2014 so you you were on there 2015 i guess with your your 5b yeah and uh and i guess you're doing great with your other 5b business you're what, now tell me about the food, the food business as we ended here, as we wrap it up.
0: Yeah. So now we've got my wife runs like a juice bar. So she's got a location in town and we also just bought a food truck. We're going to be, I think we're going to be selling the location in town to someone to take it over. And we're going to take the food truck on the road and take healthy smoothies, juices. She does, really awesome juices, shots, acai bowls. And then the cool part is we live in like kind of a homestead situation. So she grows a lot of what she serves. So like her green juices all summertime, it's grown right here in her greenhouse at our house. And we cut it out and we juice it and we serve it to people. So it's like the freshest green juice you could ever get your hands on. And then we have chickens and we sell their eggs and We try to do lots of farm to table kind of stuff that we can do in our little situation here. So it's kind of fun.
1: I love it. You probably got a end of the world situation set up there where you can navigate uh, if the, you know, the beast system turns on fully. And, you know, if you're not chipped into it, you don't get to get money or groceries.
0: Yep. Right. You're doing
1: you're doing that. That's like the most important thing. I think anybody can do. I think you get so much. I'm not even doing that lifestyle. I want to. I'm. I'm not there yet. I have family obligations, but if I was free, and like I said, if if something opens up, like I'll move to Idaho in a minute. You know, I, no problem. Like that's been one of the places yeah. on my radar. So, I thought you were in Colorado for a minute there until I started looking into. Him. I'm like, oh wait a minute, he's in Idaho. Gosh, that's my-
0: yeah. It's a, it's a special place. We we try to keep a secret. <laughs>
1: well, I know. Well, Owen Benjamin's been ruining that for everybody.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I want to say huge thanks to you too, dude, because you have been in it obviously like pretty much just as long as I have. And then, but you really like have bridged that gap where like, I mean, I think being into floating and not addressing the psychedelic side of it is just a slap in the face to its founder and its history and everything. And like floating is what's so cool about floating to me is it's, I always kind of grew up, like, I believe in technology, and I'm handy, and I use tools, and I do construction. And I, there was a part of me that thought of floating as kind of woo-woo fantasy, kind of hippie stuff. But the thing that's cool about floating is it really combines that. Because my first float, one of the things I realized was like, wow, there's a piece of machinery that taught me how to meditate and be spiritual. And it's like, you get to bridge technology with spiritualism. And that's so cool. So like the fact that, yeah, yeah. And the fact that you can, it's like, that's a big part of it. And then, you know, obviously, the inventor was into psychedelics. And the effects of floating have so many similarities with psychedelic effects. So like, you just have to be open to exploring, exploring those conversations and just those topics. And the fact that you've been so transparent about it, you've like, open those doors up to me and stuff because I've I think in the past I've actually thought about you where it's like I was probably in a situation where if someone's doing a late night float and I had suspicion they might be on something and because people like you exist I kind of would have this gut instinct that's like yeah well I feel like this is kind of just part of the industry and I'm just gonna like as long as they're not causing an issue I want to let this person have their experience and like it's I think it's important for floating to have that kind of influence to be open and receptive because that's how you get the most people into floating and get the most diverse experiences out of it too.
1: Yeah, man. I bet you got some stories to tell eight years. I got two years of stories and there's some wild ones. So I I can only imagine if we had more time to talk, I could go another hour to be honest with you, but I think we're getting close to two hours. So that's pretty good for a podcast.
0: we'll, We'll do another one one day
1: definitely i mean i might be up there with you doing it um who knows but um 5b foods 5b flotation parker morris can't lose i don't know if you ever heard parker lewis can't lose the tv show you ever heard that before i, parker. I
0: have not
1: oh you're, have. you're too young for parker lewis that's like a early 90s
0: okay uh, gotcha. tv just show
1: it's, it was kind of like ferris bueller in the 90s
0: okay gotcha. like this
1: cool kid that just can't do anything wrong and he's cool and he's always
0: getting away with shit and He's a cool kid. Yeah. Well, I want, I need to embody that.
1: Well, you know, with a name like Parker, too, like, I don't know too many people named Parker, but when I do find people named Parker, they seem to be like affable guys. Like, they're chill. They're, they got a sense of humor. They're, 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 uh, some of them can be a little effeminate, but most of them are very manly at the name Parker. So I've always had, a. there's certain names I don't like because I have a bad association with a person or I just think like that's a cool name. Um, so sure. I, think you got, I think you got a cool name. I'm not just saying that because you can go back and listen to other podcasts. I never say that ever.
0: Well, but, I appreciate it. <laughs> what, what,
1: what does Parker mean? Does it have a meaning?
0: I don't... I've never looked into it. Let's, let's people...
1: look it up right now. Let's take yeah, a look. Let's
0: look it up. I'm curious.
1: Probably means guy that parks a car or something. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh,
0: We're going to get something.
1: Is an English language unisex given name of old English origin, meaning park keeper. So yeah, it's an old English occupational surname. So your first name is a surname from old English for people who would keep the parks.
0: Well, I like that. I
1: I like like that too.
0: I'm outside and in nature. So maybe there's some correlation. there.
1: That's kind of what you're doing. Yeah. (laughs) Cool, man. Well, any, anything you want to promote any last words, it's on you.
0: No, not really. I guess my only thing would, I don't want this to be like a pessimistic podcast for anyone out there who's thinking of starting a float spa right now. It's like what we lived through is made it hard and watching the shift that happened and stuff. But if anyone's out there and you are fired up to start up a float center, it's a really rewarding job and it's a pretty awesome industry to be a part of. And don't let any of what we're talking about and the shift that's gone on lately affect your decision because you'll find joy in it and it's all just about cultivating your relationship with your floaters and kind of seeing what you end up with so
1: i love that i'm really glad we had this interview It was like came out of nowhere because i saw you on instagram the other day like oh the business is done we're locking up here the tank is out or whatever you said like i'm like whoa i'm like this guy's given up this guy's been in a long time i'm like there's no way let me yeah. reach out to this guy and like, well, oh, crazy.
0: But you couldn't, sure. have, you
1: couldn't have said it better. And I, and I really want to reiterate that. Like, I didn't make any money at all. Uh, I actually lost money because I'm an artist and I put money into projects, and they're never for for money. It's just because I enjoy it. I'm an artist at the truest yeah. level. You know, I'm a I'm a person of principle. That's really important to me, um, and that's why I had a lot of bad taste in my mouth with that float stuff at towards the end. But it, it it totally was worth it. It changed me. It taught me so much about just judging people, you yeah. know. Like for example, I would I'm gonna I want to like help people out. Like if you look poor, I'm like you know I'll give you a discount on this float twenty bucks today. Don't forget about it. But yeah. what 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 I learned was is a lot of poor ass looking people. I would say okay I'm gonna give you a discount today, and then the guy comes out with a lot of money, you know, hundred yeah. couple stacks of hundreds in his pocket. I'm like oh man you could have afforded it. You just you know so you yeah. just learn about judgment good or bad. You learn about serving people, right? And uh it's well worth. um I feel like I got. I went to school. I got uh, a, a training in empathy and compassion and serving other people, and not doing it for money, not even doing it for the glory. I got no glory out of it except for, like I said, being this gatekeeper of this experience.
0: Exactly. That's a great em- way to
1: put it. That's the most important thing about it, though, is like the gatekeeper, the experience is like if the gatekeeper is saying, yeah, you know what, you're going to drown. You're going to get salt in your eyes. It's going to be a nightmare. You're going to get claustrophobic immediately. That's not, you know, a great gatekeeper, obviously. So I appreciate you. Um, I feel like uh, the float chooses us. I feel like anything in life and the float has chosen us specifically. And I don't think it's done with you because um, there's a lot of people I could be talking to. And I just think our energies match and I like that. I'm very happy with that. And you've been a fantastic guest for me. I don't know what the people are listening to or the float people probably like it. I always am beating myself that like what's your name? Uh, Perry. She died last year. I didn't get to talk to her, but the, but the Glenn or whatever, he's the the husband's still alive.
0: Yeah, you know, I feel like I, I, I'm I'm
1: failing in a way. Like I'm not talking to certain people that I should be. I'm not talking about floating enough. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart, where I can sit here and get some stuff off of my chest and have something that I can, you know, have someone I can identify with that's gone through it more and went through it solo. You know, that's impressive, man. Because I know, and again, I, I like what you said. We're not trying to discourage people. If you want to make money, though, don't do this. Okay, I'm just going to well, warn you right I mean, now. If you're in it for money, don't, don't do
0: playing. it. Yeah.
1: But if you're in it for anything else—spiritual insight, having a float center, helping other people, learning things about yourself, and 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 the nature of reality—and and just all those things we talked about—go go for it. And and I, in the universe, will reward you because you survived eight years with one tank. Yeah, that's unbelievable. That's unheard of. Because I, I, honestly, I thought about it. I'm like, I could just start up a little float tank myself here. One little tank charge. 80 bucks a session. And if, you know what, if, if I only get one person that pays it that day that pays the, the rent for the day, but I'm yeah. like, there's, I'm like, there's no way, there's no way, but you did it. So that inspires me. Even if we don't meet up in Idaho or whatever, you've re-inspired me to know that it can be done and you can have fun with it. And uh, I appreciate it so much.
0: Well, thanks a bunch for saying all that. Thanks for having me on. It's been a super fun conversation.
1: Well, that's the thing too, man. I, I wanted to, somebody that's done this for eight years, like who better to talk to, right? That's been in the trenches of this industry for eight years and get your exit interview, right? You know, like, you know, I, I, I there's so many more questions and we'll we'll, we'll bring you back because sure. there's just so much. And the thing is too, here's the other thing. Me being out of the float center is better because now I can talk about these things. Now I can talk about the guy uh, jerking off in the tank. Now I can talk yeah. about the, the potential downsides of floating whereas before it was like oh no everything's 100 great it's awesome nothing ever goes wrong and it's yeah. super, you know what i mean like no i don't have to be the salesman anymore i can say you know this whereas if i interviewed somebody who's currently running a float center i'm not going to get a straight shot i'm not going to get a straight of an yeah. answer whereas you're kind of out of it you know i appreciate that too that that was another reason I'm like oh this guy's got a gold mine of stories and, and, and information yeah. and yeah and honest too like that's What I crave is honesty, honest answers, honest conversation. Like, I'm not bullshitting. I don't care. You know, what do I got to lose? So I appreciate that, Parker.
0: Parker (laughs) Morris. It's been great.
1: Thank you very much. You can check him out and his wife, by the way, on, what is it? 5bfoods.com. Now, you can't, I can't get any of that. That's just local, isn't it?
0: Yeah, unfortunately. But when you come visit Idaho, we'll get you some.
1: Cool, cool. Well, I wish you all the best and hopefully we'll get to meet up. Maybe we'll get a uh, 5B part two. You never know. Sounds Um,
0: good. Absolutely.
1: But I wish you the best. And like everyone else, you are enlightened. Thanks for joining us. Parker Morris, everybody.
0: Thanks a bunch. Have a great one. You too.